Last week we started obedience, holding on to love. And we learned a lot, a lot of things about obedience last week, didn't we? It was great. I can't tell you how encouraged I was last week when I came home from church. You know, you guys did an awesome job. I came around with a, a microphone to embarrass you. and But yet you offered such insight and such wonderful thoughts about struggles with obedience insights to Father God's heart about obedience. You were just brave and courageous and I was so blessed when I went home. It was just, I was bubbling over with joy. It was such an encouragement. So we're going we're gonna to do that again today. We're going to pass around the microphone. We're gonna, I'm going to ask some uh, questions, but, but not yet. You know, have you ever felt at a loss of words? <laughs> I, I never have that problem. I always have a lot of words. Just ask my kids, ask my wife. She's in another room. She can't answer like she did last week. <laughs> I, I am almost never at a loss for words. I, I have so many words in my head that sometimes I go crazy. And last night was one of those nights I was trying to get this sermon together. I was going through so many thoughts and feelings. And I, I, I just found myself kind of mumbling like this. I just, I, 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 you know, Christine would ask me a question, try to get me to, to get some of those words out. So I'm going to just go like that, a little chipmunk kind of thing. And I was trying to think, when was the last time I was like that? And I'm sure I've shared the story before, but it's really important for today. About 10, 12 years ago, I got a vision from God, an idea from God to start a ministry with the children's home of Poughkeepsie. I was sitting home. Actually, I was skipping church that day. I was skipping church that day. I was home at church. I wasn't uh, from church. I wasn't feeling well. And I started to pray and was praying for the service. And, and God just impressed in my heart, you know, that, that I, he wanted me to, to start this ministry of, of connecting men with children from the children's home. You know, and I said, well, that's a great idea. How do I do this? And God said, don't worry about it. I will make a way. So it went on for a couple of weeks like that with this thought, and I'm praying about it. And finally, God said, when are you going to do something about it? I already told you what to do. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He says, make a phone call. Okay, I'll make a phone call. Now, I like to think of myself as pretty articulate, a person that can communicate very well. And so I had this speech all planned out to the person that I was going to call. They directed me to this, uh, the uh, head of uh, visiting resources, what it was, the department. So they directed me there, and I was ready. I was primed. I had everything ready. I was going to tell her what the, the plan was. I wasn't going to mention God at all because, you know, that, that would have freaked them out, I thought. And I was going to tell them the steps, how this was going to look, at least from my approach. I was all ready. The person said hello, and I started blabbering on about God's love, God's vision, and what God wanted to do there. I was half crying, half yelling. I was all over the place for about ten minutes. I didn't let this poor person have a word in edgewise. I blabbered. I was doing this thing all over the place. It didn't sound anywhere as near articulate as I had planned it. I finally paused. And the person was crying on the other end. Bawling at the other end. It has been something that she had been praying for for years. And finally, someone had answered the call. We, ran on, we went on to start this uh, uh, little ministry called Dads, Daring and uh, Dedicated and Daring Fathers, basically. That's what it stood for. 
and it ministered to it got men involved from the church that we were going to and they did and, and matter of fact some kids got adopted during, through this ministry it was, it was a wonderful moment but it was because I was finally obedient to what Father God had asked me to do it was one of those little things it seemed like a little thing to do and that's what I want to talk about today I want to talk about moments of little obedience you know, we, have, we walk through life all the time like this. We walk through, we, we have moments. They seem so small and insignificant of, of just moment by moment obedience to what God is asking us to do. We hardly, we hardly even think about them sometimes. They're just these small things where we know the right thing to do, so we're obedient to it. Because sometimes in life, especially as a Christian... We're not really given directions, but a direction. We're given a way to walk. The Bible says that this is the way, walk in it. So we're given a way to walk. And those, those small decisions that we make along the way, I believe, are hinge, are hinge points to those huge decisions that we have to make to, to obey God. Those crisis moments, those overwhelming smack you in the face kind of moments that dare you to quit and dare you to to walk away from God's promises and from his purposes those small decisions all lead up to that to those huge leaps of faith of obedience turn to first Samuel if you can and we're going to read a little bit about Saul I asked you to, for homework last week to, if you could read this. First Samuel, and we're going to go to, I'm going to skip all over around, but we're going to go to, um, what chapter I want to go to? I'm going to go to chapter 15. A little backstory. Up to this point, Israel has no king. Israel didn't need a king. They had God. They had this deep relationship with, with God. But they saw the other nations around them. And they, so they wanted a king just to be just like the other nations. So God relented and gave them a king. And he, and he picked out Saul. Saul was... Uh, <laughs> his father had lost some goats. So he sent Saul out to find some goats. Samuel comes across Saul, led there by God. He finds that this is the one I want to anoint as king of Israel. And Saul becomes king of Israel. So we get to this point where Saul is now king of Israel. Okay. Saul has issues, like we all do. Saul doesn't, I don't think, really wants to be king. At one point where, where Samuel is going to introduce Saul as king, uh, Saul is hiding somewhere. He seems to always to be in a state of hiding, really. He's hiding among the luggage, the baggage, it says. But there's one part of here. Let's go, I'm going to go back a couple of chapters where he has just found out that he's going to be king. And it says this wonderful word here. And I just want us to keep this in mind as we read the rest of it. So when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. All right, so catch up to the story. Samuel has, he becomes king. He starts to earn some victories for Israel and, and, and battles. He starts to have issues with sacrifices. 
He's about to go into another battle. He's supposed to wait for Samuel to show up because Samuel is the, uh, is the priest and they're the only ones allowed to do the, the sacrifices. Saul is getting impatient. He wants victory in the worst way possible. He doesn't wait for Samuel. He does the sacrifice himself and dishonors God. Okay. Let's go down to verse 14 and chapter 13. It says this, But now the kingdom shall not, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord had sought a man out after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Okay, here Samuel, I mean Saul has lost heart. Come to another chapter. And the chapter really well, I really want to concentrate on here is chapter 15. Saul has been given command to wipe out the Amalekites. Everything. They go into a battle. He keeps the king alive. And he keeps some of the, the livestock alive in order to do a sacrifice. Now he's not going to do the sacrifice now. He's learned his lesson about that one. He's going to wait. But he, he did not obey what God had told him to do. Samuel shows up and says, What have you done? Saul tries to blame it on his on his people for keeping some of the livestock and Samuel says this in verse 22 behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams for rebellion is the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry and because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king wow Okay, we just did a lot of history in a very short moment. Did you know there was a real big difference between sacrifice and obedience? And before I ask you some questions to really hear what your thoughts and and feelings are today, I just want to go over what I, I found in this story, some wonderful things. What I think is the difference between obedience and sacrifice. Okay. Obedience to me is a statement of trust. It affirms that the relationship that we have with God. Now when we use the word relationship, we are, uh, I think we all understand what that means when we say we have a relationship with God. But sometimes I think that word becomes a little vanilla. We all understand it. We all understand what having a relationship with God means. Generally. Do you know the enemy has a relationship with God too? It's just not a very good one. So when I, when, I, when I talk about relationship, I'm talking about this deep, intimate, growing hunger for God. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about having a relationship with God. It's not just like, I know God, He knows me, and we're good. No, it's having this hunger, this, this unbelievably hunger to know Him more. And obedience is key to that. Uh, obedience is an opportunity to know God. Later on, we're going to go to First John, and we're going to find out what that really means. Okay? Obedience makes me or identifies me as a child of God. And obedience makes me an overcomer. Now, sacrifice. Sacrifice could be a statement of independence. It's an attempt to pay God off. You see, if I make this sacrifice, if I do this thing for you, then you have to do this. That's what 
Saul was doing. I made this sacrifice because I was afraid of going into battle on my own. I couldn't wait for the priest to get there to do it. So in order to force God's hand to make sure I get the blessing, I'm going to do this sacrifice. Therefore, now God has to back me up. That's playing God. That's playing God and not putting our trust in Him. So sacrifice can be a way of showing our independence. We, we, uh, we redefine uh, obedience with equating it with service. The things that I do for God instead of the person I am in God. See, it, it's, there's no relationship in sacrifice alone. There's no relationship in surrender alone. The bottom line is this. Obedience is a response of relationship, a response of love. And sacrifice and surrender is part of the love that we show the Father. Last night, when I was going through this, I had this thought. When desperate for God, isn't desperate enough. Couldn't escape it. When desperate for God, isn't desperate enough. And part of what came out of me was this. You know, when I was talking to Christine, was you know what? I, I'm not even sure I really love God. I mean, really, because I've been following him for 50 years, and I wonder if how far short I, I am of all these wonderful things that he asked for me to do. And there was, there was this desperateness that was starting to whelm up inside of me last night. And just it was crying out to God. I said, God, do I love you enough? I started to feel a little bit like Saul. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, I do these things. I walk this path I, I, because I expect that if I do these good things, you're going to follow me up and you're going to bless me with everything that I need to be blessed with, everything that I cry out for, and, but there's no heart in it. <laughs> it becomes this thing that I'm walking out that there's no real connection to the Father's heart. I'm just doing these things. Oh, they're good things. They keep me in line. And Father God was so wonderful and so gentle to me. He said, But you, I know. Because you know me. So what I want to ask you this morning... With that thought resonating in your head, with the, when desperate for God is not desperate enough, which I think Saul's major problem was he had a loss of heart. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. What do you think caused Saul to disobey God? What do you think caused Saul to disobey God. I just think pride. I think, you know, he was, he's in his head, he's saying, well, God put me, made me king. God did this for me with this battle, and now he told me to do this. So I know, I know what I'm doing. I got to do the sacrifice. Samuel's late, so I'm just going to do it. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was his pride of, no, he can do it. Now mm. he's doing it because. God. 
Anything else? Yeah, it seems like there was a little bit of uh, panic uh, to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Panic and pride and trust. Pride, panic, then trust. So I see when you lose heart, this thing's about you lose heart, you lose your trust in God. So I guess a follow-up question to this is then what makes us lose heart? What makes us lose heart? Failure. I think that he he failed God that first time with the sacrifice, and and uh, I, th- I think that probably mm. really hit him hard. Yeah. Absolutely. Listening to what's true, um, you can't go by your feelings because they will um, let you down. Because they're we're human. You have to go by what God's word said is true, not what your feelings say. And so um, Saul's feelings were. Can you? I think he felt that he, because he, because of his position, he could. He knew what he needed to do. He was listening to his pride, instead of maybe being closer to God and seeking God more. Anything else? Why? Why do? Why do you lose heart? I think what that young lady just said is exactly what I was feeling is that uh, we we lose it for the same reason that she was talking about Saul as a king we're supposed to be doing a role in, in our life and um, you know the world is 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 going to like yeah Nick said hell in a basket and and it says in Revelations that things are just going to keep getting worse and um, you know our flesh just seems to ooze out and take try to take control and we you know, that's where we, I think we, we start to lose heart a little bit because we listen to what other people have to say because, you know, our pride does get involved and gets in the way. And it just, um, you try to do those things rather than, you know, live for the Lord. And, and your heart just gets weakened because of things around you. Things happen and trials and tribulations come. And you just get down because you don't, you don't get the blessings right away sometimes, you know. Good. I... When you lose heart, when disappointments, uh, uh, maybe our pride, things that God doesn't seem to come through in, in our timing, um, what do we do about it? Because th- we know this is going to happen. We've already experienced in our life. We've always had, we've all had moments that we've lost heart. And in losing heart, was we sometimes is the temptation to disobey or to not follow God's commands, His ways. So what do we do? We know what Saul didn't do. What do we do when we lose heart? What can we do? What do we do or what should we do? There's a difference there and it's a short step. Because what we end up doing is the same thing Saul is doing. And we don't even say the word in church anymore. It's called S-I-N. Oh, you mean sin? Yeah. Oh, Oh, you said it. I didn't say that. You said it. And then we don't recognize it as sin. So we don't get to the point of repentance. 
which leads us back into a closer relationship with the Father. So we have to be careful that we recognize it right away as the Holy Spirit brings it up to us. And somehow get into a closet or get into a place with God where you can talk to God about it. Because I heard a preacher say this. I believe that God's grace and love for me is bigger than my ability to fail. Mm. And if we don't get there, we'll get to the failure part and the sin part pretty quickly. That's good. When we talked about it last week, we talked about this whole idea of obedience really is this, this is a walk of love. Somewhere in his life, Saul lost something. He lost father's, a vision of Father God's heart. He lost it. He, his, and that caused him to lose his own heart in this. You see, at the beginning there, a few chapters before, that, God said, I, I gave you a heart. I gave you a new heart. And somewhere in that process, he lost it. We have to be cautious about losing heart. For me, losing heart means I begin to distrust the goodness of God. It's really been the same sin since the garden. Not trusting in the goodness of God. And I think that's what Saul's issue here. He began to just mistrust mistrust God's goodness. We lost sight of the, this whole obedience thing is about love. Can we go to First John, chapter five? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of of God? See, this is when I think obedience is identifying me as a child of God. The whole wonderful thing is, is that, that, you know, we, because we know the Father, we can obey Him. Because we love the Father, we can obey Him. It goes back to that, to that thought I had about when, when desperate for God is not desperate enough. Desperate for God is not desperate enough. And the whole thing is about getting this hunger and this desire for God that is so overwhelming that you can't help but obey God. And so that those, remember those moment by moment decisions that we make for God, well, our heart gets reattached to that. So that we, we remember we talked about uh, listening to God was what? It was, listen, it was leaning in. You know, it was lending an ear to. It was, uh, we were talking about 
uh, hold fast to, to God. When I did this, we were holding fast. It was a personal thing. It was, it was something that sailors would tattoo on their knuckles to remind them to hold fast to the rigging so that the sails wouldn't fall apart and they'd be lost at sea. This is what we do to the commandments of God. We hold fast. See, I told you not to sit there. We hold fast. We tattoo it on our spirits so that we don't forget that these commandments are more than just a list of do and don'ts. These commandments are life itself. See, Samuel lost his heart. He lost his kingdom. He lost his son because he lost heart in Father God's goodness. And the temptation is the same thing for us. So those commandments are not just rules. These are a way to follow so that we become freer and freer and freer and we get to know His heart more and more and more so we obey Him because we love Him. It is something that's relational, not situational. That I'm just obeying it because it's the right thing to do. Look, that's a great thing. I'm I'm not discounting that. You know, to do the right thing is the right thing to do. But to do it with a disconnect in your heart, sooner or later, that doesn't become anything alive. That just becomes something that's dead. Like in Saul's heart. And sooner or later, there's disconnect from the Father's heart. Listen to this. God describes what love is. Second John says this. In, uh, verse 5. And I'll ask you, dear lady, talking to the church, not as, one, not as though I was writing to you a new commandment, but one that we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Walk the talk. Follow him. There's a verse in Psalms that says, I run in the way of your commandments, for you have set my heart free. For you have set my heart free. So I have another question for you. How does our focus on loving God change our focus on obedience? How does our focus on loving God change our focus on how we see obedience? If you're in obedience because you have that relationship and you love God and then you, you're going through it with, a, with the right heart attitude. And when you don't have that connection or you, you know, even if you have, but you, you've wavered a little bit, you do something, you're in obedience, but you're like, fine, fine, I'll do it, whatever. But the other side is... You're just doing it, and you're happy, and like the word you used, you're you're free doing it. You just do it, and it's right. Amen. See, Sarah shared something last week. Said she, even today, as a as a young woman, she still listens to her father because she trusts his heart. She has no problem just doing what he asks her to do. Not that he bosses her around or anything, but her, his request to her. He's, she's happy to do because she knows her father's heart. 
And that's something that she could project on Father God, His goodness. And that's what we do whenever we talked about it. The way that we were brought up sometimes is what we project onto Father God. How we see Him to what happened to us on earth, on, in our lives. So, if we're loving Him, how does that affect our view on obedience now? What does it do to our hearts? You think? Um, can I share a little bit of testimony? You may. Um, not all of you know our story, but um, we adopted four of our children through foster care. And um, for two years, God put that on my heart. And I kept saying, no, I can't. And I was angry at first because we had lost a baby when Kirsten was 18 months old. And so I kept saying, no, I could never. They're going to give me a baby and I'm going to fall in love and I'm going to have to give it back. And I can't do that, Lord. So no, 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 no. And, of course, we weren't attending a church at that time. We weren't reading at home together. We weren't building that relationship. And so I didn't have that connection. But over the course of two years, he continued to put this on my heart. And we were attending, by the end of that two years, we were attending a church and building that relationship and feeling his love again. Mm. And it was only then that we realized what he was really asking us to do. And he... He didn't give us a choice at one point. He put it right in front of our face, and we said, Okay, Lord, we're going to take this jump. Even though our hearts, our feelings don't feel like this is good, we're going to do this. And in the end, he gave us four beautiful, amazing children. And so that act of obedience was just so encouraging in our walk with him and brought us so much closer, and it was amazing. So... Amen. That's what I think it uh, it does to our hearts. You know, God gives us a new heart when we're obedient, so that we 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 get to do something like He does. He rescues people. And you rescued some people. You rescued them in one of the most beautiful ways that can be done on the planet. You know, the spirit of adoption is that. Lance is still pondering back there. I think he really wants to say something. <laughs> he was almost there. And then... Could we agree this morning then? That obedience sets us free. Can we kind of make that agreement together? That, that obedience sets us free? That it's not this constraint... Hold the line thing. Lifeless thing. Now, obedience is meant to set us free. But set us free for what? Set us free for what? If we are free, then what are we free to do? Let me get closer so we can hear that. Free to be who God intended us to be. Ah. And not the selfish beings we really are. Mm. Can we agree then that God, that obedience is meant to set us free to become sons and daughters of the Most High? 
Okay, if we are set free, if obedience sets us free to be sons and daughters of the Most High, then what are we free to do? Be joyful. Be joyful. Be joyful. to other people around us and just let them know the freedom that we feel because we're being obedient to the Lord. The marvelous gift of obedience and it is a gift is one of the ways to connect with Father God's heart that I don't think is talked about enough. Because it's got this bad connotation. Remember, we, we, when we first brought up the subject last week, we talked about some of the negative responses that we heard when we first heard the word obey. We had a, some people express, well, I think of this, I think of harshness, I think of, you know, some kind of strictness. You know, we had this. So, how then, knowing this, that obedience is meant to set us free, become sons and daughters of the Most High, so that we can do and, and, and be everything that God wants us to be? How do we turn those negative responses around then? I'm driving at something. Yes, I am. I hope to get you there. If obedience is meant to set us free, to become sons and daughters of the Most High, to do and be and become everything that He has wanted us to be, and how do we turn around those negative responses that we first had, you know, that we sometimes have, when God is asking us to obey Him, we have to humble ourselves. We have to bow down and just let God be God. Thank you. Humble ourselves before Him. Absolutely. That is what Saul refused to do. That is what Saul refused to do. And he lost everything. Walking with him does involve sacrifice and surrender. It just does. But it's because we love him that we can. And it doesn't seem like sacrifice and surrender so much. And so when we humble ourselves, when we realize that God is God and we're not, and never will be, we can let him be God. And allow him to work in us so that we can be the sons and daughters that we even want to be. So that we can enjoy the freedom that he's given us. And so that when we're obedient, it is an act of love and not an act of just serving God. And we're gritting our teeth. That it's this joyful expression of, I love you, daddy. And I want to give everything that I have to you. And what you give me is good. Whatever it is. Circumstance, trials, tribulations, hardships. As well as joys and successes and triumphs and blessings. Because you're good. And you're always good. And so I will obey you because I love you. And because when I run with your commandments, I am free. You set my heart free. See, obedience is for us. It's not God getting us to do stuff. God doesn't need us to do stuff. The guy who created the universe doesn't need us to do stuff. He wants us to do stuff. 
He desires to partner with us, to walk with us, to, so that we can express His love to a dying world that desperately needs to hear about Jesus Christ. That's why we follow His commandments. Because we love Him. And other people need to know about that great love. That's why. We humble ourselves. And accept the fact that God loves us so much that He's willing to give us a way to follow so that we don't walk all over the place, lost in the desert somewhere, not entering the promised land that He has already promised us to walk in. I don't want to walk in the wilderness anymore. I don't want to see a wilderness. I don't want to look at a wilderness. I want to walk in that promised land that God has given me. I want you there too. I want to see you freer than you are today. I want to see you freer tomorrow the next time I see you. I just want you to walk into freedom and the freedom is freedom so that everywhere you go, you drip Jesus Christ. That you're so saturated with God's love that people get wet by rubbing up against you. That you cannot help but tell people by the way you live, by the way you walk, by the way you talk, that you know Jesus Christ. You know God is your Father and you want everyone else to know too. I want that for me too. And the only way that we can do that is we become free. And who the Son has set free is free indeed. So, You guys did marvelous again. Thank you for sharing your hearts. Thank you for... Pastor Tim, I think we're going to have to steal another week. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Because I didn't get to everything. Which is good. It's good. Next week. Here's your homework. I want you to ask God some questions about your heart. I don't care what the questions are. I just want you to ask God some questions about your heart. I'm, you're probably formulating some already. See, God asks me questions all the time. He almost never answers the question. I mean, this is, you know, when I ask him a question, he just asks me another question. It's okay. It's how we relate to each other. But I want you to ask some God some questions about your heart. Because next week what I'd like to do is kind of like maybe wrap this up. And since we've been talking about obedience, we've been talking about sacrifice. What have been... And it, 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 this is meant to set us free. How do we do this? Is there a practical application to this? I believe there is. I believe you guys will have it. Because we're going to walk around with the microphone again. Yeah, might talk to Ron. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but, do that homework. And I think you'll be surprised about some things. I have a sense this morning that you have heard some words about Father God that maybe you've never even considered before. Father God is passionately in love with you. Father God wants to express his heart and his nature to you. I've walked with God for 50 years and I'm still learning that lesson. How much Father God is trying to 
bring him, him to me and to enter into a deeper, abiding, desperate relationship with him. Now, when I say desperate, I mean I can do nothing except have him in my life. I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't. I can't love my wife, I can't love my kids, I can't love you the way without his help. I need him desperately, more and more. But I have a sense you heard some things today. And maybe you have some questions about Pastor Tim and I would be glad to talk to you, pray with you afterwards. Or during the week, send me an email, send Tim an email. But don't leave here today if you have a question or if you have a prayer request. Please don't. Grab someone next to you, have them pray for you. Whatever it is, don't, don't walk out those doors without being prayed for if you need prayer today. Okay? Just don't do it. That's why we're here. Okay? Father, thank you for these wonderful hearts that you have given us. Thank you that you have given us new hearts that you want to speak into them, your life and your love. So that we learn that uh, obeying you is not this strict set of do's and don'ts, but these are commandments meant to set our hearts free and set our spirits free and, and set us completely on a path that we become everything that you would want us to be. And that involves freedom. Thank you. Thank you that you want to set us free. Free from all kinds of things that hinder our growth. All kinds of things that hinder our other relationships. All kinds of things that just make life hard and miserable. But you want to set us free so that we can have life and have life more abundantly. So thank you that you sent Jesus to do this for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for, for expressing yourself through your great love towards the Father. That you said, I do these things so that the world may know that I love the Father. Thank you for showing us that example. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here today and speaking to us your truth. And I pray that you continue to, uh, to explode these ideas and these concepts upon our hearts so that we follow you more closely. And we ask this all in your precious sons. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.